Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I am your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection, offering you the world's most comprehensive refund protection product. Booking Protect is the number one rated refund protection product on Trustpilot. They offer world-class customer service and a proprietary digital customer service experience that is unmatched anywhere in the world. To find out how working with Booking Protect can give you and your customers a better buying experience, more peace of mind, and for the organization, a new stream of revenue, visit www.bookingprotect.com, the global leaders in refund protection. Once again, that's www.bookingprotect.com. My guest today is a friend of mine from Seattle, a guy called Kirk Bentley from Wordfly. Wordfly is a email marketing platform that is built specifically for the arts and entertainment industry. And when I met with Kirk while we were at Intix and we hang out, hung out and had some laughs and some fun, um, I decided I wanted to have Kirk on the podcast because I feel that uh, email is one of the most often underutilized and underappreciated tools that we have in our marketing and sales platform. Um, in this episode, we kind of cover a lot of ground about email marketing. We go through... Um, this concept of permission marketing that was uh, made famous by a guy called Seth Godin, who I probably have mentioned more uh, more than once on the podcast. We talk about the need to make all of your emails and all of the campaigns um, focus with care and attention and love towards your customers. We talk about the idea that most marketing campaigns and the email marketing campaigns fail because they're not consistent enough or they don't look good or they just get lost in it in the shuffle of people's inboxes. We talk about why email is still important and can still be valuable. Um, and then we did into a lot of heavy, heavy how-to stuff. I asked Kurt about how you can start from nothing and grow a list, which was something I was very curious about. We talk about um, how often the cadence and frequency of the emails you send and you know some of the best practices there. We talked about how to measure the success of your email campaigns. We talked about the types of emails you should be sending to uh, the, your clients. Um, one of the things that was really, really, um, I think, beneficial and probably you can't hear often enough is the need to experiment and measure the campaigns you're undertaking. And this is, goes beyond email to every campaign you're undertaking. Um, experiment, test them, measure them, and adjust. I mean, we, we covered that. We talked about, um, you know, top of the funnel things, you know, how to manage the, the sales process, call to action, bounce rates, uh, engaged email subscribers versus unengaged email subscribers. I mean, this is something that anybody who has seen the, some of the stuff I've talked about for sports teams and email marketing know how uh, much emphasis I put on email marketing. And when I was talking to Kirk and we got going, I was like, we should have one of these conversations on the podcast because I think that people are underestimating the impact of email. Now, we do make an offer at the end of the podcast. I'm going to make it up front as well because I don't want you to miss this. Um, it's really like a, um, what's the godfather? It's an offer you can't refuse. If you email me and put Wordfly in the um, subject line, I'm going to give you 30 days of free Wordfly subscription, and I'm going to give you a review of some of the of the wording and the action of some of the emails you're sending to make sure that they are making the most powerful impact that you can. I mean, 
that's better than anything else we could do. That's not a uh, a sponsored thing. That's just like something I thought about on the spur of the moment. So if you email me, Dave at DaveWakeman.com, we will work to get you set up with a free trial of WordFly, and I'll take a gander at your emails and the campaign you're doing to make sure it's like focused on the right things. I mean, I, I feel so strongly about this that I really hope you'll take us up on this. Um, and without further ado, I want to turn it over to my conversation with Kirk Bentley from WordFly. I want to welcome my friend Kirk Bentley to the Business of Fun podcast. Kirk, what's happening, man? Hey, Dave. How you doing? Great to be here. It's good. I um, I think I mentioned, I know I mentioned it on Twitter, I have my special supersonic shorts on today. Uh, you know, <laughs> if we were on video, you would see like the full like Seattle uh, outfit with my Pearl Jam t-shirt, my supersonic shorts, and um, I had a Mariner's hat on earlier. I mean, I'm like full Seattle oh for gosh. you. I'm like... Pacific Northwest all the way. Um, <laughs> I love the Seattle pride. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, I was, I was born in Bremerton. Most people don't realize that. So, uh, or they, and they don't realize how close my connection to Seattle is. They just figured I did some work out there and that I'm affectionate in that way. But no, I was, I'm like a born Washingtonian. So that's, I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up in Seattle and, you know, if you had told me, when I was a kid, that there would be a million amazing brands and bands and record labels and performers and all this stuff that came out of this town, I never would have believed you. Yeah, no, it, 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 it long ago lost the idea of a sleepy town in, in, in some yeah, it's, water. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I love the place. I mean, I, you know, it is like one of the places I really, really love in the world. It's Seattle and the whole area. Um, but well, nope. one of the things we're one of the things we're really big at here at Wordfly is kind of this concept of made in Seattle and just how you know there's there's a lot of just kind of funny quirky things about this town that that really generate a lot of creativity and authenticity and there's there's a really neat community of just like makers and builders and artists that uh, it's part of the heart and soul of this town so it's it's pretty cool. Pretty cool thing. Yeah, no, I'll have to get myself a Made in Seattle t-shirt if that's a thing. Um, you know, and, and what was interesting when I met you at Intix was um, if I had not, if you hadn't told me you were from Seattle and you knew these things about me, I would not have known because I know that the Seattle freeze is real. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sure has been this week. I got a foot of snow at my house. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I I have a lot of questions about the Seattle freeze, and the number one question I have is, you know, everyone talks about how nobody's from Seattle, like everyone moves here, and I'm like, well, then how can the freeze be a real a Seattle thing? thing? Yeah, that's exactly that's right. Be like a Minnesota or a New York or an Indianapolis or wherever the heck you're from thing. Yeah, there was also so when, I I, don't... when I lived there, there was the Bellevue Bob. It was like all the all the bobs. Everybody had the same bob haircut. But the that, Bellevue Bob, yeah, yeah. But that's that, that, this is for a different podcast. So we like our uh, Seattle podcast. Um, but that's th- right. Yeah, I, I want to thank you for coming on today and talk about because I wanted to talk about what Word flies up to and what you're working on because I think that um, you guys are doing something that I think is really really interesting for like the arts and entertainment world. Uh, you know, and it revolves around this antiquated uh, technology called email. Um, which I, I joke about and I said, oh, you know, like you, you were saying before, it's like, oh, it's almost 50, right? Which is like getting up there towards where we are uh, or, or we're getting up there towards where it is, whatever it is. Um, but the thing I want to impress upon people, and I think you guys do a really great job of it, is why is email still like the most effective tool 
to get your, you know, to drive revenue for an organization and help build connections and relationships with people, um, patrons of the arts and people who are uh, interested in seeing your shows. Yeah. I mean, you know, email has just got such a funny reputation. And, and when I started in this business, you know, doing email marketing for arts and entertainment, it was about 13 years ago. And when I would tell people, you know, what my role was, and I'm working with this innovative new technology company, you know, they'd call me a spammer. They'd be like, oh, well, email is spam. You know, you, you, you somehow get people signed up on these lists, you know, and then you spam them. And, we, you know, I was like, no, that's, that's not at all how it works. <laughs> and it's been really interesting, especially in the last couple of years. You probably have noticed that email's reputation has really started to change because a lot of startups and technology companies that are around today have figured out, okay, this is really, really effective. And they've sunk a lot of resources into it. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some amazing work being done it, with this channel. So, you know, I think, um, you know, why is it so effective? I, I think that there is something personal and special about each of our inboxes. You know, that inbox is yours as opposed to something like Facebook and Twitter. You know, when you're on one of those platforms, you're in there with a bunch of other people and there's all kinds of talking going back and forth and there's commenting and, you know, everyone's sharing their stuff. But when you're in your inbox that has your name on it, that's your private space. So I, we feel like there's something very personal about that space. And, and to do email right, you have to know that right up front. And you have to respect that space. Um, you know, it's like going into someone's home, you know. Um, if they want you to take your shoes off, then you need to take your shoes off. You need to abide by their rules. Well, I, I think, let me ask you this because what, yeah. when you were explaining this too, it brought me back to an, a concept. It's um, – I think the book's 20 years old now, but it holds up extremely well, which is permission marketing, which is uh, – permission marketing was a term that Seth Godin created. And it talked about yeah. like you know creating an asset that people give you permission to market to them, and that's what email is. Unless I'm completely uh, clueless, which I know, which you know is debatable most days. It, <laughs> but to me, that's what makes email so um, effective: is the idea that people are giving you permission to talk to talk to them. You know, so like when they talk about it being spam, no, 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 it's not. If you give, if people have given you the the permission to communicate with them. And I think one of the challenges, maybe if you think about it as spam or you think about it as not a new tech, new sexy technology, is that you take the permission people have given you and you make it a, you know, you don't give it the attention that it deserves. And so you're squandering the permission, um, you know, or maybe I'm wrong. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, Seth Godin's one of my heroes and he really, he really was, you know, one of the first guy to really kind of develop this idea. And I think he's right on the money and still is all these years later with this idea. You know, what a precious thing that is to have somebody out there raise their hand and say, hey, I'm going to give you my basically key to my inbox. I'm going to raise my hand and say, I want to hear from you. Um, you know, that's, that's a really precious thing, you and know, I'm and right. that's something special. And unfortunately, what happens is, is that unfortunately, a lot of brands get lazy and complacent and and don't treat that transaction and that agreement with the respect that it deserves. And and that's why I think on the receiving end people get frustrated with emails, you know, uh, and email marketing because they raised their hand, they said I I want to hear from you. And then they start getting 
you know, emails um, that that don't look great, that don't have value, that don't, you know, that don't um, communicate clearly, you know, what they're all about, or or make people feel special, or like they're on the inside track. And so I think th- those are, you know, those are opportunities for brands to really get in there and do those kinds of things. And unfortunately, you know, still. Um, and this is the one of the problems in the world that we're trying to to fix with Wordfly is is to help people really maximize that opportunity, you know, to to value that what you say that that asset. Yeah, it, it comes to me. It comes across like, and this is how all too much email marketing comes across. And you know, this is like when you talked about email. You know, my I perked up because I was like, I saw the value of the stuff right away. It, but when you go back to like people kind of not treating the email with respect, you know, to me, it's like, don't neglect me, right? Um, show me some value when you, when you communicate with me in my inbox and be consistent, right? Don't just come and ask, don't come popping into my email in my inbox when you need something or you want me to buy something. Yeah. I mean, those like right. are, are three big challenges, right? And I, and I think um, if you aren't conscious of creating email campaigns that are relevant, um, that are you know add value and are respectful of the relationship between you and your customer. You you get a lot of uh, bad email campaigns. Is I guess what happens and that makes it more uh, inefficient and then it becomes spam. Or am I you know or am I off base again? No, I I think you're you're on you're you're on track here. And you know uh, you know when people think of spam, you know it's there's there's actual spam, you know where someone has you know somehow you know gotten your email address and trying to get you to uh, you know whatever give them your bank account you know details. Um, but there's another kind that's maybe more pervasive, which is just you know it's just email that doesn't have a lot of care and attention and and you know I guess love you know basically put into it really. Um, and, and those are the things that, you know, that's kind of like the number one thing why people unsubscribe is that the emails, you know, either aren't designed well and they seem irrelevant. You know, you know, it's funny that you say that to care and attention and love. And then the email doesn't it all reflect that because that was a problem uh, I had uh, this year. And I'm not going to I don't want to give context because I don't want to put um, it was a volunteer thing. It was a pro bono thing I did, and everybody involved was doing pro the work pro bono. Um, but that's that was like sort of the conversation I was having when we were talking about the effectiveness of some of the things we were doing. I was like, well, you can't just expect people, right? You have to show them. You have to show them that you care about them, right? And that you um, respect their attention, and, re- and most importantly, this community and like the communities revolve around, like you know, for lack of a better term, love. <laughs> You know, so I really dig. Yeah, um, you know, and it's really I think important. it's true. Love doesn't get I enough. Mean, uh, it doesn't get, you know, love and empathy don't get enough attention in most business anymore. Um, but especially when you're talking about the arts, like you know, it's almost the foundation of what is going on. I think. I, I agreed, and you know, one of the things I I try to educate, um, you know, our clients about is is just kind of like opening up my inbox and showing them, you know, all the other emails that they're competing with in there, you know? And if you look at companies like Apple and Netflix um, and Google and even some of the, the major retailers and, you know, they, they're hiring marketing teams that love marketing those brands and they really do put love and energy and excitement into those email campaigns. And if you're not doing that same thing at your arts venue or your entertainment venue or your museum, 
you're not competing in the inbox. And as people click through each in, you know email, uh, they're seeing all these amazing, beautifully branded, you know, engaging emails, and then they get to yours. And what does yours look like? You know, <laughs> and so I think that's a real eye opener for a lot of folks. Is that wow? You know, we really got to step this up. We really need to focus on this, especially. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but email is still the number one revenue generator uh, for venues and arts and entertainment organizations. So, you know, it's important that people, I, I think, internally really take that to heart and, and make it a major part, um, you know, of their brand outreach and how they're marketing to people and how they're talking to people. Yeah. Let me ask you this because you, you did talk about like, you know, you see all these um, other brands, right? Like, um, you know, Apple sends out some beautiful emails or, um, you know, some of the clothing brands and you said um, uh, grocery stores and stuff. They all send out these really great emails and then you have to show them side by side. What do you think or, you know, or maybe you have like some suggestions that you've helped people with in the past uh, as far as like making sure that they're more aware of what their own emails say and like how there's a dissonance between what they think of as themselves, you know, and, and they're, they're building their, you know, the organization that they're, you know, working with, working for to communicate with and um, help them kind of clarify their thinking about this. So they go like, so it's not such a shock when you go, Hey, look, look at this email that came from Apple. Now compare it to yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I generally, you know, when I'll consult with folks, usually, you know, the first thing, that we do is, is kind of talk about kind of three three major ideas or you know not necessarily rules but you know three ways to to kind of start off at least heading in the right direction towards success on this and i think you know the very first thing is really is prioritizing email you know and if you look at you know if, if you're at your venue and you're able to do it you know, the first thing to do is just like look at the data, you know, because you can't make a case to prioritize email marketing at your organization until you can look at the conversions and the data uh, and the revenue that's coming in, coming in from those emails. So look at look at that data. And I think you'll see pretty clearly that it, it's either number one or number two Um at your organization. So, you know, you'll be able to see and be able to show leaders at your venue, hey, this is important. We need to focus on this. We can optimize this. We can make more from this. We can do more with this. So I think prioritizing it and getting a team behind it. Um, my clients in Australia are amazing at this. I don't know why they're so good at it, but I just want to give a shout out to all those guys down there. They, they do this so well. They just really put the care and attention and assemble an amazing team around just email marketing. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable. I think the second thing you need to do is bring that marketing team and the technology team together because email is art and science. Um, it's, a, it's design, but it's also technology. And to do it right, you need to get both of those teams in the room uh, together because, you know, if you're going to do personalization, if you're going to do dynamic content, if you're going to want that data and you will want it to do this to flow back and forth between your CRM and your email tools, you're going to need your tech team in the room. So get marketing and tech to talk about, you know, marketing can maybe drive that about, okay, here's what we wanted to do. How do we do that tactically, you know, from a technology perspective? And then thirdly, um, and this is something that I think is is really important, is to 
really think of your your email campaigns uh, as an experiment that you're measuring. So Netflix does this wonderfully. There's, um, there's several stories and blog posts about how Netflix does their email marketing, but you know they generally think of their their emails um, you know as experiments like a lot of people do you know and and they measure them they a b test everything they try different things they they create a hypothesis and test it so you're in a constant state of testing experimenting and measuring so th- those three things getting a team uh, uniting you know technology and marketing and then I think approaching it from a very kind of experimental you know test your hypothesis and measure perspective. Um, that that's a really great way to kind of just set things up, you know. And then, of course, there's a whole other layer of like, well, how are we going to execute on all that stuff? But that's a good that's a good way to kind of point your you know your whole organization in the right direction for this. Yeah, and it, it sounds like to me, right? And you tell me if I've got this right. Is really the biggest key for a lot a lot of times for arts and entertainment organizations to understand the power of email marketing or to you know, see something that somebody else is doing and not be overwhelmed by it, but being like, well, you know, I can actually use this and do this on my own is just like just the awareness, right? And understanding that like the tools and technologies that are available to them to create these um, interactive and like, you know, uh, very contextual ads is more available to people than ever before. Um, You know, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I mean, you know, and it can look this. You and, know, all this stuff me, can be pretty you, intimidating. Yeah, yeah, and let me go in. And let me let me let me add this too before you you answer is because one of the things I learned from being an insex is that I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by change, and and they, and it's it's tough to prioritize what to do first, or you think that you know sometimes you just get trapped into thinking like. Uh, there's got to be billions and millions of dollars behind these things. And I, and I want to reinforce the idea that like uh, there's so many tools and so many things that you can do so easily now um, that, it, it, you know, and I really want to emphasize that. So I'm sorry to cut you off on that. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And yeah, I mean, let me just kind of, you know, pick up on that note. I mean, look, you know, change is hard, right? No matter what you're doing in life, whether you're at a business or doing, you know, trying to lose weight or exercise more, whatever, you know, it's hard to change habits. Um, and oftentimes we just have, you know, bad organizational habits. Uh, and lots of times it's, you know, legacy stuff left over from, you know, people that were there before. Um, and so, you know, I recognize that that those are, you know, these are difficult things to do and to kind of reimagine what you could, could do. And that's why I think it's, you know, it is, first of all, important to really look at the data, you know, and look at, um, you know, how many people do you have on, on your list? What kind of, you know, the quality of those email addresses, the quality of those interactions, the revenue that's coming in from these um, email campaigns you're sending out. And I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, changing your ways, uh, a, a big part of that is, I think, having the right team behind you. And again, you know, WordFly is really focused on this arts and entertainment niche. That's that's really the only groups that we work with, unlike some of these other, you know, the, the market leaders, frankly, you know, in the email space, the the MailChimps or Constant Contacts or Campaign Monitors, you know, there's that's a very tumultuous market. Um, and, and they're not necessarily focused on on any niche, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of consolidation. There's a lot of M and A going on right now in that. 
in that um, in that market. And so one of the things that we really try to you know champion with with our customers is that this is a tool just for them, and we are here just for them. It's all about arts and marketing and selling tickets and engaging with customers engaging with visitors, getting people to your attraction, and really boosting that whole experience. Um, and I think folks really respond when, you know, when they come on board, because that sounds great in a, in, a, in a demo and a sales pitch, right? But when folks come on board and they realize, wow, there's an entire team here that, you know, knows all about um, our challenges as a business and as a venue. And they also know all about digital marketing and surveys and email and RSVPs for events. You know, that's a, that really makes making the change a lot easier because we're able to help you drive that. So I think getting, you know, getting some support behind you, uh, is pretty helpful, you know, and, and I think that the, the first thing you have to do is be able to show, you know, Hey, wow, you know, we've got this email program in place. It's kind of meh. It's kind of underperforming, you know, and if, if people need to know what a really great program looks like, you know, we can talk about that because I think it's important that people understand, you know, what success really looks like for email. Yeah. Let me jump in there too, because you bring up a good point, right? Which is like, if your email campaigns now aren't really well thought out or prioritized or planned very well, they're, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, kind of low impact, right? How much of a difference can like having a targeted, focused, um, you know, like really high impact email campaign make, you know, like from like conversion rates or, um, you know, any of like the best measures of success? Uh, it, it's, it's night and day. Yeah. I mean, it can make a really, really big difference. Um, I, you know, there's one story I, I, I love, which is, um, we've got a, um, well, I won't name names, but we've got a, a you know a venue that's um, in Australia, and you know what they started doing was they started noticing that a lot of folks were putting tickets, um, you, you know, in the basket and, and basically just kind of leaving them there, right? And so they decided, okay, well let's you know let's try to just engage on that and see what we can do, and they they started doing an abandoned cart program. They call it the basket down there. Uh, so they started doing an abandoned basket, you know, program down there and sending out an email to anyone who had put uh, a ticket in the in the basket. And almost overnight, you know, we're talking like these emails were generating thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of revenue just left on the table. I mean, I think um, you know, each month they started just pulling in, you know, fifty to sixty thousand dollars of 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 revenue that's just left sitting on the table, uh, revenue that you know just would have been you know been lost most likely fifty or so, sixty thousand I mean, dollars. Soon you're talking real money. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you know hey it's it's not nothing um, you know and <laughs> and adds you know, up fast are, are, if, if you're most you know, arts organizations. <laughs> Yeah, depending on the type of venue you are, that could be a lot of money. And I'll tell you, for this venue, that was a lot of money. You know, that that was a really important discovery. Uh, and so then, you know, I think once you have a success like that, that that usually, uh, you know, people look up from from their cup of coffee when they see that kind of stuff happening. It's like, hey, wow, what's going on there? That's that's moving the needle for real. So. 
that's and that's a great point because I think too, like any anybody who's questioning what to do or how to create change, it's like find and look at something that you can get an immediate win off of. You know, when I'm doing anything, you know, consulting about revenue with organizations, I look for things to get quick wins because, like you said, change is hard. And people don't necessarily haven't always prioritized the right things because maybe there's bad habits that build up over time. There's an inertia. And those like when you said like a fifty or sixty thousand dollar quick win, I mean that would have my attention. <laughs> I can only speak oh, for yeah. myself. You bet. I mean, yeah, so I, I love it. Yeah, a quick win like that, I mean that's that's huge. And I think you know, there's a lot of fear around email too, because like you say, you know, you and Seth Godin say, you know, it is an asset. That email list of a hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand people you have, that's an asset. But you got to look at really how it's performing. You know, are all two hundred fifty thousand of those people actually engaged with you? Um, you know, and a lot of times the first thing you need to do um, when you know you come on board with a new email system is really is kind of trim that down, you know, and really look at, okay, who's really engaged here, you know, and that can be a scary thing, especially at the executive level or your, you know, if you've got a board, you know, the board never likes to see email addresses disappear. Uh, but I think, you know, it's important that that's a big part of the change is saying, okay, we're really going to focus on the people who are interested in hearing from us, or at least first, you know, before we chop these people, we're going to ask if people still want to hear from us. Oh, yeah. That's like the GDPR stuff in, in the UK. Like you may – you confirm that people still want to hear from you. Yeah, exactly. It, but it's powerful. I think, you know, and size doesn't all, matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think – you know, if, and you know, not to be the bearer of scary news, but I think you know, all of us need to prepare ourselves that GDPR USA – is is coming you know <laughs> that's gonna happen here um you know several states are already starting to do it on the state level and you know so i think we need to to start thinking about okay you know how are we going to protect this data respect the privacy of people and still engage with them in a way that that makes sense for business yeah and i think that people shouldn't be afraid of it right because what i've learned is that it really just makes you be a more conscientious marketer um, and I think that's a great thing because that's the big key with when we're talking about using email in the arts is that you, if you have 10,000 people and half of them don't care, you're better off only talking to the 5,000 people that care anyway. You know, like the 10,000 exactly. doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, that can be scary, you know, and I think, you know, some some folks will make the case, well, you know, they may not be opening or clicking and they may have not have done that for a year, but who knows that maybe they just haven't seen anything that interesting, you know, and well, I think in that case, you know, you should you should really reach out and ask them, you know, yeah. if, they, if they still want to be on the list. Yeah. But I mean, if people are looking for, you know, if people are looking for quick wins, I mean, right off the bat, start sending a welcome email. You know, within 24 hours after someone signs up, send a welcome email. Generally, when people sign up for an email for an email program, that that first 24 to 48 hours, that's when they're ready to make a purchase or engage with you in some other way. So, yeah, you know, that that welcome email is critical. Abandoned cart, like I mentioned, um, if you're looking for a quick win, you'll definitely start seeing some results from that. Um, and I think, you know, doing the, um, you know, if you're a venue, sending reminder emails about an upcoming performance or an event that someone's going to, and then doing follow-ups, sending a triggered follow-up, you know, after someone 
um, visits the venue or visits your site, send a follow-up and put a survey in there and collect as much data as you can, you know, and really show folks that, that you're engaging with them. You know, that, that email back and forth and those reminder emails, you know, that's their guide right into your venue, you know, so that's got to be kind of like, um, you know, virtual concierge, welcoming them, welcoming, welcoming them, you know, to the venue and to the site and, and I think showing them what your brand's all about. So those are three things that, that we usually like to recommend just right off the bat, you know, get, get a little bit of automation going and, and just kind of schedule some emails. Um, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you about that too, because I, I, I'm sure that one of the things I, I'm trying to do a little bit more of with the podcast is I want to help people see the how to behind some things. Um, you know, so let me ask you this, you know, do you guys have a sort of like a quick start guide or like some suggestions for maybe an organization that either has a stagnant list or doesn't really have a list on how to like start their list and get it going and grow the thing? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we definitely, you know, that's something that we talk to, to folks a lot about when they come on board is just, you know, how are they acquiring email lists? Um, how does that work? You know, and some of the, you know, some of the big things you've got to think about these days, I think are, yeah, what's, you know, what's that top of the funnel, basically, you know, so to speak, of how do people, you know, how do people get on your list? How do they find out about it? How do they know why they would even want to be on this list? So I think making that abundantly clear on on all of your digital channels, whether it's social, your website, even at the venue, um, you know, if you're selling tickets from a box office, can you collect email address there? But I think you need to have a strategy around what the value prop is that your team is telling people why they should be part of the insiders club for example you know what's the value there and that needs to be kind of a sales and marketing message that i think everyone at the organization is able to quickly pitch to somebody you know and why it's valuable so there i think there's that element just the very top of the funnel getting the word out um everywhere you can you know we see this all over, all kinds of ingenious places. You know, if it's um, a digital billboard, there's there's ways you can advertise it there. Um, you know, if you really want to rev up your list, uh, you can throw a contest. You know, there's uh, any number of different ways to kind of build your list. You, you got to be careful with those things because sometimes you know you're just adding garbage to your list. But I think really it comes down to that value prop of. You know, why would someone want to be on this and then getting that message out there clearly? So that's kind of a, you know, a marketing challenge there. Um, and then I think, you know, once, once you kind of set that up, yeah, you need to do routine maintenance on that list. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you're able to see that data in your email provider, you know, in WordFly, you can see all kinds of engagement reports, you know, who's clicking, who's opening, who hasn't opened for months, who hasn't opened for years. You can pull all that data and be able to see exactly who's the most engaged and who's the least engaged. We give people like a star ranking, you know, so if I look up, you know, Kirk Bentley and I look him up in, you know, the account, you know, I can see, wow, this this guy's a four-star highly engaged subscriber. He's opening, he's clicking, he's forwarding to his friends. He's doing all this stuff that we want him to do and makes him a real valuable you know, asset to us. So obviously he, he stays, but you know, if we look up, you know, some other guy, you know, yeah, he opened once or signed up and never opened, 
you know, it's probably time to say goodbye to that person because a, um, you you know, you're throwing money at that, right? You know, uh, you're you're spending money on on sending those emails out, and you know, there's no reason to you know be sending emails to people that just aren't engaged. So I think doing that audit, that's kind of a, a big second step. And and again, that can be a little scary, you know. But usually, once you do that audit, well, think about it like this too. See. Like it's not just an audit, but it's also an opportunity if they're really really engaged for you to engage them even further. And if they're not engaged, it's also an opportunity to engage them because you can ask questions, right? It's not like just did you sign up for my email and you don't want you don't want to hear from me anymore. You can ask them why don't they want to hear from you? You know, you can discover all these really interesting things about it, and it you know it gives you a chance. You know, all this data is helpful in in creating a better you know a better buying experience and a better customer experience. Oh. Oh, it's incredible. And I think that's what, you know, dawns on a lot of uh, marketers when they start looking at, you know, you know, something, you know, like when they look at WordFly, for example, a system that's really designed just for this market and integrated with the other tools they use. And they really see, wow, okay, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to be able to, you know, look up John Doe and know when he opened, what he opened, how many times he clicked, when he clicked, if he made a purchase after that click, if he's on social, you know, all these other things, it really completely completes the the kind of uh, you know way that you look at your customers you know you're able to see a lot a, a much more well-rounded perspective of who your customers are and what you know what they're doing whether it's online or with email or social or making purchases on your website so yeah I mean all that stuff's critical and then of course you add surveys into that you know, and, and we've got a, a neat tool that also lets you do, you know, RSVPs. So, you know, for your real special VIPs, if they've bought a ticket to, you know, let's say uh, a performance at the ballet, a lot of those folks would love to be able to come to maybe an educational show, you know, before the show or a backstage tour before the show. And that's something that you can send in an email and offer them a very special opportunity to engage with your venue in a, in a whole different way. Um, and so for your VIPs, you know, the five-star members, I mean, who wouldn't love that? You know, hey, do you want to come to this free backstage tour before the ballet this weekend? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, course. so that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? That and, and what does that do? I mean, that just creates an incredible bond between your customer and your venue it's something really really special well, and so yeah let's like let's let's not let's not, not skip past the the revenue part of this too because so it creates a bond right so that create that that generates a higher lifetime value for your customer right but it also creates an environment where they're going to tell everybody right so you're going to give those people a chance to spread word of mouth marketing for you which is like the, some of the best marketing you have going for you um it's going to be like they're probably going to pump your uh email list so you'll have a chance to grow your email list from people who want to hear from you um you know you're probably going to get them to spend a, a higher uh, more money that night too because they're going to be like ecstatic about the whole thing i mean there's all these positive positive things that happen that i don't want people to miss in the idea of like well we can throw a backstage party because there's unintended consequences that are totally positive that you should be aware of oh oh yeah i mean look at the end of the day uh you need to sell all your tickets you need to get people in the venue you know or you know what depending on the kind of you know venue you are you need to get people to sign up for classes or you know whatever it is but i mean yeah look you know no doubt i mean you know email works and people 
people still use it because it generates revenue and lots of it if done properly. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you want to lose sight of that part of it, and that should be part of what you're measuring. Um, and if it's you know if it's falling short of what you want, you need you need to you know pour a little fuel on that and, and gas it up a little bit. And let me ask you about you because you brought up a couple of me- different measures of success. So we talked about revenue. We talked about the open rates and like you know the five star or one star ratings. Are there any other like specific measures of success people should be looking at? Yeah. Well, so let or, me just dispel you know, kind of. I know of everybody's a little a little bit too. of a. Yeah. Well, everybody is. Yeah. So I think, and uh, let me just kick that off with that's a great question. So everyone should be everyone should be you know. If you're just sending out email and just like you know sending it out there and not looking at the results, um, you know, you're not doing it right. You know, there's lots of there's lots of data that you can get from this this stuff. Um, but I think one thing you need to know is that you know open rates are a little bit of a myth these days um, because both Yahoo and Gmail, um, you know, the way that all these um, inboxes basically track opens is by there's a little hidden pixel in the email and when the the server is called to download that little pixel that counts as an open okay so what a lot of these big um, uh, ISPs are doing now like you know Gmail and Yahoo is that they host all those images that that you send in your email locally and so it doesn't really need to download it and so anything basically can register as open now without being open so it's good to know that like open open rate is a bit of a novelty metric it's good it's good to keep keep tabs on it because you want it to remain fairly consistent um but don't worry too much about it the thing that really matters is clicks and more so even than that is conversions right so you need to be able to you know have a system that's able to track the click and the conversion and the revenue that's associated to each email um so i think you know, those are those are the big ones um i also you know because i'm an email nerd there's a there's a few other things that i, I like to look at which is just making sure that you know i'm keeping bounces below a th- certain threshold so if, you know if i'm sending out email and all of a sudden i'm i'm noticing some you know a lot of hard bounces or a lot of soft bounces for a particular campaign or i notice those bounces over time are creeping up for those that don't know a bounce just means that's an undelivered email and there's lots Lots of reasons why an email wouldn't get delivered. Some are okay, like an out of office. Some are not okay, like you've been flagged as spam, right? So you want to keep tabs on those too, because that's really kind of a, a, a kind of a, a health measurement, you know, for your for your campaign as a whole. So those are those are a few things I like to look at, and then of course you know unsubscribes. Um, you want you know you don't want people unsubscribing. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's good to be, to keep your, keep your eye on that too, because if that keeps creeping up, it it probably means you've got an issue with relevance. So it's, it's good to be looking at, you know, okay, are we staying relevant? And I think it's good to ask people, send out emails periodically, even quarterly to say, Hey, you know, here's what you're signed up for. These are the preferences that you signed up for. Do you still want to be on these preferences? You know, send a survey. Are you getting value from this email? And I think it's important to ask people. People like that. Yeah, I found that people do want to. They want to um, feel more engaged in the process. Like you know, like you're listening, even if you're not listening. <laughs> they want you to listen. Um, but that's it's me. true. 
And, 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 oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, and, and on that note, just talking about preferences. Um, I thought you were going to talk tip. about listening. <laughs> no, just a quick t- <laughs> What? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but just a quick tip on preferences. You know, try, you know, I know it's tempting to, you know, micromanage the, the preferences and throw like, you know, 10 or 15 different preference options on the sign up form, but try to steer clear of that. Most people, you know, no one can remember what they really signed up for after they, you know, click a few preferences and hit sign up. So try to keep, keep it simple. Give people three or four kind of big, broad categories that they can sign up. Um, cause it's just frustrating, you know, for folks if, if they, you know, are feeling like they're not interested in, 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 in what you're saying anymore, or just want to get off of a certain preference, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out, you know, what you signed up for and frustrating if you can't, and then people just unsubscribe from everything and you lose them all together. So keep that, keep that initial sign up form pretty simple. And you can always come back later and, and try to get some of that data later on, you know, um, offer an incentive, you know, offer 10% if they, you know, fill out the rest of their account information or something. So, you know, try to keep it simple and quick and, and get the information that you need right right now. But but don't go too crazy because it, um, you know, people, people will bail out of that process too. I was going to say, that's a really good point. And, you know, the way I try to, a lot of this stuff that's, you know, because most of the stuff I'm doing is focused on money anyway. But it's like, I always want people to kind of think through the process of how would I feel if the shoe was on the other foot, if it was happening to me, you know, so like if you were signing up for an email list and you had to check 15 different boxes to get signed up for the list, you'd be like, screw this is too much trouble. I'm out. Right. And think about it like that. Like it might be important to you, but it's important to the person you're trying to get to sign up to the list. Because yeah, I mean, I, I signed up for a list just this morning on the bus ride into work, and there was, you know, okay, so I'm an email nerd, so I do this sort of thing, but I like to sign up for different programs, you know, so I can see what they're like. And yeah, I mean, this this particular one, it had like 12 different preferences, it's all just like barely discernible, and at the bottom, it said, click here to sign up for all. And so, you know, because I had no context for what each of those preferences was, I just said, okay, forget it. I'm going to click all, and I know I'm probably going to get like 10 emails a day, um, but let's see, you know. And since I'm, you know, professionally curious, I did it. But I don't know if a regular person would have done that. You know, they might have just bailed out because they're not showing you, you know, on that sign-up page, like, an example of what the email looks like, what you're going to get. Like we talked about that value prop, the top of the funnel. Why would I sign up for this? What is in it for me? Why am I going to give you basically my most valuable digital currency, which is my email address? Why am I going to give that to you? Right. What are you going to give back to me? So we've got to make sure that that trade, um, you, you know, it's is be more than towards fair. the customer. Right, because exactly, it's going it to be more than fair. The value has to be way, way more overwhelming to them to be willing to commit to give you the access to the permission to talk to them. Yeah, I mean, look, the novelty of signing up for something is over, you know. So, um, you know, you've really got to show that that this is going to be something special that you're going to get, you know, either you know, deep discounts out of it or, you know, backstage info or access to early tickets, whatever it is that you can think of that, that really makes your program valuable. You know, there's got to be something really in it for the customer these days. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Now, I have one more like kind of how-to question, which kind of builds off all this other stuff we talked to, and that's um, the cadence and the frequency. Because you said, oh, I'm probably going to get 10 different emails from these things, and I'm, they're going to drive me nuts. You know, it, it, what's the kind of a best practice on cadence and frequency? I, I, yeah. Speaking from my own experience, I do an email uh, newsletter each Sunday that comes out once a week, right? But it's always there, and if it doesn't come out, I have people emailing me saying, "Where's the thing?" Right? It's like, are you in a ditch somewhere? Because I'm so no, consistent. That, I <laughs> love that. You have the best problem in the world. You yeah, know, when, when that's exactly right. Say, hey, I get your email, and I'm upset about it. That's like the best problem, right? No, I mean, I, I've worked really hard at it, but and I know it's like I've created an asset that um, people expect, right? And it's you know very personal, and it's always focused on value and strategy. So people really have come to expect this thing, but. You know, that's a question I always have, you know, like what's the right, um, you know, cadence for like an email or the frequency of sending stuff out, you know, to get responses. Because I know that, again, depending on who you are, what you've designed your email for, you know, what's your market, it, that's going to vary. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and of course, like all good things in life, the answer to this question is it depends. Um you know, so I think, you know, with you, right, like your example, that's amazing, right? So you send it out once a week. People have come to expect that on Sundays. It's just like, you know, you've set up that expectation. That's beautiful. That's exactly how it should be done. Um, I know of another um, ad agency out there that they send their monthly newsletter on the full moon, right? So I love that idea, right? Just kind of like creates this expectation. If by chance you looked up at the full moon one day and you'd be like, oh, wow, huh, yeah, probably got that email today. So, you know, I think figuring out for your organization, again, like that's something that you would need to test and ex- you know, experiment with, test a little bit with. You need to survey people. You can ask people how often they want to hear from you when they sign up. Um, we see that a lot. I think you can also set the expectation ahead of time and say, when people sign up, you will receive an email about this topic once a month, twice a month, once a week. I think it's good to set that that cadence up front. Um, don't leave it up to guess, you know, to, to chance when you get around to doing it. I think your team need, you need to set the cadence of this is when this is published. I'm telling you when this is published. If you want to sign up for this, this is when you'll receive it. So make it something that it's like you explain with your program that's expected. It comes out on this day at this time, every week, every month. So having said that, and I know that's, you know, maybe not, I know people want like an answer, like send three emails a week or send, you know, that's difficult to say, right? Because every organization is different. Um, and, and, you know, for each organization, you may have several different departments. You, you know, we generally work with a lot of arts organizations in, in the U.S. have, um, you know, a development group. They have an education group. They have the venue or maybe multiple venues that are all sending emails at the same time. So, you know, one giant all up venue, you know, they they might be emailing dozens and dozens of emails a week. So, I, but I do think it's important that um, you try to set that cadence internally and communicate that to people. And then lastly, uh, I will say this. I think lastly, venues, add value at every touch. <laughs> add, value, add value at every touch. I couldn't exactly. let the, you said lastly. I was like, I couldn't. I had to jump in. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I think, um, I mean, just broadly speaking, I think organizations tend to send uh, too little email. 
And I know that probably sounds crazy, but I think there's fear about, um, you know, basically ticking people off and then they'll unsubscribe. We just don't see that. Um, that, that just doesn't really happen that much. So, you know, usually, um, the reason people unsubscribe is because the emails are irrelevant or, or poorly designed. They don't look good. That you know they they don't um, land well in the inbox. One of the reasons for unsubscribing isn't I'm getting too many emails. Generally, uh, it's on the list, but it's way down low. So I think you know organizations can probably start high. You know, start higher than you think you should. Um, you know, if you're sending once a week, try twice, try three times a week, see what people think, and then ask people again, experiment and see what people think. And I think if you're adding value at every turn, like you say, people are going to want those emails. Yeah. And I think it, the, the way you put that is very important because it's a, a marketing and advertising problem, too. It's like you get tired of your message before your audience does because you just you hear it all day long every day. And your audience is not necessarily hearing it with nearly as much frequency as you are. And it's important to remember that because it may just be starting to get traction and work when you get tired of it. But your customers yeah. are just starting to get like, oh, yeah, this is great. I'm going to do this. It's to- I'm totally signing up for this. Oh, I mean, you're, you are just so right on with that. You know, it's like Ogilvy says, it's like, you know, set your brand and just never change it. You know, you're going to get sick of it, but just never, just keep going. You're like, never, never change your logo, never do anything. Just keep going, you know, keep going at it because it takes a long time for people to get the message. You know, when I look in my inbox, um, and we look at major, let's say retail brands, you know, J crew and the gap, um, and Banana Republic, generally, they email me about four times a day, four times a day. So that's like what you're competing against. You know, if you're trying to get eyeballs in the inbox, just imagine the volume of other stuff that's that's in my inbox that you're trying to send me. You're going to be okay if you send, you know, twice as much as you think you should. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And um you know, and I think um, I, I mean I really want to encourage everybody to like rethink the way that they're using email. You know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. And I know that if anybody, um, was it? It's Kirk Bentley at WordFly dot com. Is that right? Is that, that, yeah, that's, that's right. right. If they, anybody emails yep. you, now here's this podcast. Um, we'll give them a thirty day free trial. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and on top of that, um, they can email me Dave at DaveWakeman dot com. And we we can make sure like I'll take a look at your campaign and give you feedback on whether or not, it, you know, some of the key touch points or call to actions in there to make sure that like you guys maximize it. Because I think it's like really, really powerful. I think it'll really create a um, a positive impact on the revenue of your business because I in, in the follow up Kirk's um, point about Australia, we could steal a lot of stuff from the Australians because they do some fantastic stuff with engagement and email marketing and marketing and selling. And I think it's partly because they have to, because it's such a competitive market in Australia. Yeah, they do a great job. And and yeah, just on your point, you know, yeah, shoot me an email. We'll get you set up with an account. We'd love to hear about, you know, the type of emails you're sending now, the challenges and the, you know, the the goals that you have for 2019. So that's yeah. that's all a part of what we talk about. Um, the you know, the offer was on, completely unplanned too. Kurt went right with it. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sounds he, great. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. But um, how can people besides no, your I email? Mean, how can people find you? 
Well, of course, you can just go to wordfly.com. Um, you can also check us out on Twitter at, at wordfly. You can find us on on uh, Facebook as well. So we're out there, all the all the normal places. But yeah, probably the best place is wordfly.com or or shoot me an email at kirk.bentley at wordfly.com. But I, you know, I will say just you know, it's really true. A lot of people, you know, like I opened up our session with with this. You know, a lot of people just have this this funny attitude, and it's sort of like the the redheaded stepchild of the digital marketing scene. However, when you really drill down and talk to these giant venues, it it just generates so much engagement and revenue that it really isn't something that that you should ignore. And I think what we're trying to do specifically for you know the arts and entertainment world is really make a make a product and create this this tool that really helps you be successful at this. Um, and we've got a fantastic team. This is you know this is all we do day in and day out is help arts and or, arts and entertainment organizations do this. So yeah, let us know if you need help with this. Definitely happy to um, consult with you and just you know chat about it. Yeah, to me, email and doing it well is one of the most powerful marketing and selling tools that we all have we have access to and for so many arts organizations a lot of people listening to this the the success of your marketing and email campaign can be the the difference between scraping by and creating a sense of sustainability and stability for your organization and i mean that in complete seriousness um and you know and i think really it's a wise decision to pay attention to the kind of emails you're sending, how to do it, what to do. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of great tools out there. Uh, Wordfly is a fantastic tool and one that's built specifically for the arts and entertainment. And, um, you know, if we're giving you 30, 30 uh, free days and like a free, like, you know, 15 or 20 minute consultation about your email, I mean, you got, what do you got to lose? Right. <laughs> All right. We're giving it away. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're giving it away. Um, Kirk, man, thank you for doing this with me. Absolutely. Hey, real pleasure being here. Thanks. Uh, it's always fun to uh, geek out a little bit on email marketing. So thanks for having me. Who knew I was going to be a geek on, uh, on email? <laughs> hey, everyone's a nerd about something, right? I'm a nerd about money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, thanks again, man. You bet. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Kirk Bentley from Wordfly, for taking the time to talk to us about email marketing. Like I said, and like you just heard from me and Kirk, email one of us, put Wordfly in the uh, subject line, and we'll set you up with a free trial of Wordfly and a review of, of your campaign from me. Um, it's a great, great offer. It's something that you know I just feel so um, incredibly powerful um, and so... Uh, I have such a strong preference for doing this stuff well that I want to see you all be successful at it. I believe that it helps with the sustainability of your organization and it helps, um, you know, drive revenue. I mean, you know, with a brand name like the Revenue Architect, if I wasn't um, talking about driving revenue, you should probably tune me out. But I mean, I really think this is like super, super powerful stuff. Um, As always, you can find out what I'm up to. By visiting my website, which is www.davewakeman.com. You can find my blog there, which gets updated daily. Um, you know, a lot of short blogs with maybe some quick ideas about marketing or selling more effectively, sometimes a little bit longer pieces. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at davidwakeman.com. If anybody knows the person who has at Dave Wakeman, hook them up, tell them, give it to me. I need it. 
um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to connect. Um, if you have any ideas, questions, thoughts about the podcast, suggestions for topics or guests, please email me. It's my name, Dave, at DaveWakeman.com. As always, if you like what I'm doing with the podcast, I really need your help, right? Share this thing with your colleagues, your friends, um, your coworkers. Um, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you find the podcast. Subscribe and review. All of this stuff helps. It helps move me up the rankings. It helps make sure I can continue to deliver really great content for you and have conversations like I just did with Kirk Bentley or the one I did earlier in the week with Carolyn Gibbs, um, the ones I've done with Martin Gameltoff, Cat uh, Spencer, all these people, all these great, great conversations. Um, you know, it really, and it means the world to me. It means the world to me that you all spend so much time uh, listening to the podcast, engaging with me, um, and being there. Um, until then, I want to thank my sponsor, which is Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection, the number one rated refund protection product on Trustpilot, and the most comprehensive refund protection product anywhere in the world. Any listing, any sector, anywhere, Booking Protect has you covered. Visit them at www.bookingprotect.com and find out how working with Booking Protect can give you a better buying experience for your customers, more peace of mind, which will help them make purchasing decisions earlier, and how you can create a new stream of revenue for your organization. Again, that's www.bookingprotect.com. And again, until next time, thank you for listening. Take it easy.